In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast, where we focus on real men doing real life in real time while living in the stress bubble of life. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed, saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood the man card belongs to those protecting integrity fighting apathy pursuing god passionately leading courageously and finishing strong a man is as a man does enjoy today's episode men in the arena we We salute salute you. you hey guys we honor you for getting it done in the arena of life Males retreat into the fray, but you have jumped, retreat into the crowd in the audience. Man, I blew that one, Dale. Whoa. But guys, you've jumped into the fray of manhood. So man, we're excited to have you on this episode of uh, the Man Card Podcast. We are about calling you in to the arena, calling you out of everything hindering you from becoming the best version of the man you're called to be and calling you up to higher levels of manhood. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with our producer and my bro, Dale Cover, along with our sound guy, Pat George. How you guys doing? Great. Morning. Good. You're really good. Just <laughs> called you my bro. Just simple. Short and sweet. <laughs> short just and like sweet. you, Dale. Do you like that I moved my computer closer to I you? Am, you? Don't touch my computer. It's a man law violation <laughs> if you touch my computer. Hey, just got, I just got pushed away. So, well, yes, you did. Getting a little close. I so. wanted to look at his screen. Whoa. Hey. Stay not only there. unless I invite you to look at my screen. Is that a man card violation? I don't know, man. Don't look at another man's computer screen. <laughs> nope. How are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm really fired up about this book I'm writing right now. I'm fired up about the it, man too. card. I'm, I got to find a subtitle for that. I had a man is as a man does, but I'm not sure that's catchy. I need to do something that's going to be more in your face, like Should make, stop talking the talk and start walking the walk or something like that. Make the cover of it. <laughs> Bill, what? Give me one. No, no, I'm just thinking. I think your subtitle should be Six Rules Every Man Must Break. Well, I, I'd probably get sued by the author of that book, which is you. <laughs> oh, hey, Dale, do you have a man word for me today? Yes, I do. Thank you. Do you have what is it? It's it's uh, one syllable. Is it no hyphens? No hyphens, wow. one syllable. All right, give it to me. Free. 
You just made that up 10 minutes ago, didn't you? I did. I was listening. You see, you got to plan ahead. No. You've got to plan ahead. God doesn't work in that. You got it. Yes, spontaneously. Whatever. Christian Copper. So, no. I I started looking at Bill Perkins' stuff, our guest, and um, listening to you guys talk. And I'm like, you know what? Free. A guy being free of bondage, things that are uh, attached to him that hold him down, that stop him from running the race in life. Um, we need to get rid of that stuff so you could be free. Well, you know what's really interesting um, is is how we can fall into bondage with the church and how the church has certain rules that are unwritten and sometimes unspoken, but they can lead men into greater bondage. And so I am, and I think we need to find freedom, and the freedom is not freedom in church, which kind of bothers me. Some people get more excited about their church than they do about God. It's freedom in Christ. And so um, I'm really excited about today's author. He and I go back about six, six, maybe seven years now when I was uh, weighing out this call to work with men. Uh, I had read uh, this man's book, which we're going to talk about today, Six Rules Every Man Must Break. And I thought, wow, this guy lives in Westland, Oregon. I'm going to call him. So I called him, and I was shocked. He, he responded real, real fast. Uh, he was very open to meeting with me. We met, and he really has become... Uh, a guy who I can, he early on, he kind of mentored me through the launch of the Great Hunt for God. Uh, he's been a guy who uh, I had a real bad back injury. Uh, the surgery was kind of botched, and I was really beside myself. This guy prayed for me. A week later, my back has been fine. I've been fine ever since. Uh, he's just been a guy I can go to and ask questions, and uh, he'll give them to me as an author, a speaker. So I'm going to introduce to you guys. Uh, I'm honored to be have this guy on our show. He's just a magnum guy. Uh, you're going to love this podcast. My friend Bill Perkins, he's 68 years old. F- Bill, you said you're, what, 68 today? Is it your birthday? Uh, no, it's not my birthday, but I am 68 today. Oh, okay. I just was wondering. All right, all right. So, he, I don't know, occupation, it's tough. I'm going to call you an entre- entrepreneur, an author. He's an international speaker. He's published over six books. My personal favorites are Six Battles Every Man Must Win, Six Rules Every Man Must Break, When Good Men Are Tempted, Why Naked Women Look So Good. And he also published The Jesus Story, which is a blended Gospels reading, which I read to my wife. Every day of the week, which every day of the week for a pastor means four or five days a week. And he lives in Westland, Oregon with his beautiful wife, Cindy. They've been married 46 years. He has three sons, Ryan, 40, William, 38, and Paul, 35 years old. Bill, it is an honor to have you on the show, my friend. It's great to be with you again, Jim. Yeah, we need to get together for coffee between your traveling and your your ministry schedule and my schedule. It's just ugly, but man, we need to get together again. I agree. Let's get together. Gosh, we yeah. And hey, I'm hey, ex- huh? let's do a podcast. Hey, deal. Win now. Let's do it now. <laughs> oh, well, you're gonna love Bill. He he and I talk. Uh, we have a lot of chemistry, so this is gonna be a fired up deal. So, Bill, we're gonna move right into our rapid fire round. And so, are you ready for this round? I hope so. You are. I'm going to call this the Socrates round. It's our philosopher round. I'm just going to ask you some questions and uh, let you give me your best answer, all right? Yes. Okay, here we go. If you had one wish, what would it be? To be just like Jesus all the time. That that all the time is the tough part. <laughs> That's, That's it. That's it right there, man. I've been reading the Gospels every single month now for 68 months in a row, and it's like, 
every time I read it, I see something I didn't know. I learned yeah. something I didn't know. And what happened was I decided that I just wanted to start doing what I saw him do. And that has been phenomenal. Um, so that's that's it right there for sure. So, oh, man, that's when, what I'm after. When you say so, you're reading the Jesus story once a month. You finish that that gospel blended gospel reading once every month, correct? Yes, yes, correct. So the last time I talked to you, you were at 32 weeks in a row. So that's how long it's been since we've hung out. So you're at 68 wow. now. Yeah. Wow. So amazing. I might have to unfriend you on Facebook. What's amazing is I never get bored. I always learn something new. I always see something I've never seen. I always ask questions I've never asked before. And I just feel like each time I read it, I get a little bit more of Jesus in my soul. And that's what I want. I want my soul to be filled up with him. Dude, that's so good, man. Hey, I do have to tell you, there's one error in the book where there's a, an indentation that needs to happen. So I'll have to point that out to you if I haven't done that. You know, I so. wish you would do that. There's there's actually, uh, we're talking about re, a second printing. There's actually about eight. Oh, really? And I'm so happy you haven't spotted the other seven. I've only found <laughs> Well, you know, you made me feel that much better. Hey, uh, next question, Bill. Right now, man, what's on your heart? What's on my heart right now really is um, extending the ministry of Jesus to bring freedom, not life management, but freedom from the things that bind us up. You know, I've written three books on addictive behavior, When Good Men Are Tempted, Fatal Attractions, and When Young Men Are Tempted. And what I realize now, having read through the gospel so often, is there are excellent books on managing our compulsions and addictions. But what I read in the gospels and what I'm seeing in my ministry now is Jesus Christ will liberate us from what binds us. That's so awesome. that it's not like, gee, I didn't do it, but I know I'll do it again, but Man, I want it to be a long time before do it again. It's like being confident that I won't do it again. That doesn't mean I couldn't. Yeah. But being confident that I won't do it again. Wow, that's good, man. Yeah, that's that what I'm so passionate good. about. I want people to experience um, the freedom that Jesus Christ offers to us and the power that goes with that. You know, it's so good, man, because we, we tell guys you can never be the best version of the man you've been created to be without radical devotion to Jesus Christ. But one of the things I found is, even in my own life, you know, we, we, we slip away from that best version when we fall into sin and these things that tempt us. But man, I just don't see how a guy can live as the best version of himself without radical devotion to the God who created him. So, well, man, and the, 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 the amazing thing is, you know, when we talk about devotion, like I love to scuba dive. And I got to tell you, flying to Bonaire, where we like to dive because it's the best shore diving in the world, takes a day and sometimes an overnight stay. But it's not the dedication of flying. It's the dedication to diving, Yeah, it's the which, makes, which makes the dedication to the travel easy. And often when we use the word dedication, it's like, oh, no, man, I got to dedicate myself. Look, don't worry about that part. You focus your eyes on Jesus Christ. And you look at Jesus Christ, and these other things will fall into place. I guarantee you, focus on Jesus, and the other things will fall aside. And dedication is not such a difficult thing because he's changing you. You're becoming like him. And the more we become like him, the more this whole concept of dedication becomes something that's a natural expression of, of him. Because the more whatever you look at, you become. Yeah. We look at porn, we're going to become lustful. You know, if we if we look at uh, 
If we look at something that's fearful, we'll become fearful. If we look at Jesus, we're going to become like Jesus. Yeah. Well, and I, I just love that. Not only you become the best version of you, but you become the best version of what he's created you to be. That's so good. Yeah. Man. So, hey, uh, did I tell you you got scuba certified? You mentioned you were going to. Yeah, we're, we and actually I speak in Belize at Ambergris Key uh, twice a year. So we, we uh, do a lot of diving down on the Belizean Barrier Reef out of uh, Ambergris Key in San Pedro there. So, so you're in the Blue Hole? We haven't done that yet just for financial reasons, to be honest with you. But that's definitely that's, one of my things reason. I'm going to do. That's one of the things I'm going to do. Hey, I, and, I, and I, I put this question here because I know you love to do stuff with your wife. If money wasn't an option, where would you like to take your wife on vacation? If money wasn't an option, I'd probably go um, on a dive cruise in the South Pacific. Ooh. Let us die for let us die for two or three weeks on a nice ship, good food, beautiful clear water, lots of colorful coral and fish. Yeah, that would be awesome. She loves to dive too. Oh man! And then Southwest or in the South Pacific, you're talking. There's some shipwreck stuff there too, right? Well, you know, it's uh, the shipwrecks don't turn me on so much, man. I, no. I, I dig looking at, I, I really get into the, into the coral and the caves and the swim throughs oh, and yeah. especially the aquatic life. You know, I really like the aquatic life. And oh, the great yeah. thing about, the great thing about bone air is it's shore diving. You can go out on a boat, but we rent a pickup and uh, we, and we rent air and put it in the back. They got 75 sites on the leeward side, and we just drive the pickup there, put on our gear, go into the water, and go down and dive. It's awesome. Yeah, see, I don't, I, yeah, I haven't done on a, a good shore dive lately. I've just done boat dives. So, well, you know, my, my Skype name is Bonaire Bill. Yeah, I was wondering about that. So, yeah, that's, yeah. go scuba, baby. Hey, Bill, hey. what's your all time favorite quote? Man, here's an author of 20 books or more. What's your all time favorite quote? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Oh, I love it. I love it. So here we go, Bill. So you're 68 years old today. What piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? I think if I could talk to my 20-year-old self, my 20-year-old self would be probably um, in the future years of training that you're going to go through, read the scriptures and take them at face value because sometimes the theology you're going to learn at I went to a great seminary Dallas theological but we 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 I you know you learn these um, you learn these theological um, predispositions uh, lenses through which you view truth yeah biblical scriptural truth and what I found in reading the Jesus story over and over I did uh, I learned a whole lot more, and I received a lot more power from Jesus when I laid aside my predispositions and just read it at face value. Now, you may think, well, gosh, wouldn't you say be kinder, be gentler, be this or that? Well, quite frankly, what I'm discovering is the more I read about Jesus and the more I take him at face value and the more I believe that what he said I could do, I can do, and the more I follow him, the more these other things fall into place. You know, I pray more. I have more power in my prayer. I love my wife more. Um, I seem to have greater wisdom in the rest of my life. And so from my perspective, I kind of wished a whole lot sooner in my life I'd have read the story of Jesus and laid aside my predispositions and just taken at face value what he said rather than 
limiting what he said by my theological framework. Well, what I hear you saying, Bill, is is there was a period of your time where you put God in a box. Oh, absolutely. So, so absolutely, I put Jesus in a box. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking I mean, about. Let me give you. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So, so what I learned was you follow Jesus in his discipleship and teaching ministry, but in his supernatural ministry, that was really for back then and there. And so following Jesus was like following Superman. You know, I could follow Clark Kent up to the top of a 50-story building and stand on the edge of the roof, but when Superman flies away, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, following, so, so following Jesus means I follow Jesus in these important areas of discipleship and teaching, but when you get into the supernatural, well, that's for back then and there, and that's just flat out not true. And the moment I said, I'm going to start doing what I see him doing, I saw people like Jim Ramos, who was complaining about his back, and we were sitting in your pickup outside of Starbucks, and I said, let me pray for you, who knows? Yep. And I put my hand on your back and prayed for you, and a week later, you haven't had any pain since. That, to me, is not only exciting for me, but for you. Because what that says to Jim Waymos is there is a power in Jesus Christ this guy's got, and I want it. Well, yeah. how do you get it? You get it by going to Jesus. Just read the story. Well, that's absolutely right, man. It's it's and it's been funny because people ask me, uh, "So how's your back? I know you got a bad back," and I'm like, "No, I don't. My back is perfect." And so that's what we're talking <laughs> about: freedom, right? Freedom is not. I'm going to go back to this. Freedom is, hey, I'm it's over. I'm done. I'm healed. I'm moving on to the next thing. And so, well, I think Bill. Tell me what you think about this. When we limit God, when we put God in a box, when we take, we only follow Jesus to the top floor and don't jump off, do you think that we there's a temptation on our part or on the part of church leadership to uh, towards legalism? Well, absolutely. In fact, in fact, um, you know, when we get into the book Six Rules Every Man Must Break, absolutely, legalism is me setting up rules to control myself and other people rather than allowing the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to produce righteousness. And this book we're going to be talking about, that's what it really is about. It's about Jesus, and it's about following him rather than following the pharisaical rules that we and others set up and impose upon other people in order to produce righteousness because we don't trust the Holy Spirit will do it. So therefore, we must impose these rules. Oh, and that's that's so good, Bill. You know, I was I, I'm, I'm I'm right now I'm holding the book in my hand called The Six Rules Every Man Must Break. Now that book, I, I date when I write my when I read my books. I wrote I read that book. I started reading it in Jan, uh, June 11th of 2007 and finished two days later on the 13th. And I have uh, I scribbled notes all over. And one of the notes I have is, I will smoke my first cigar. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the book really inspired me. And here's the thing that's cool, Bill. I went and I Googled men's books, and that was the first book that popped up. Uh, and I bought it, and your book is literally the first book for men I ever read, ever. Wow. And so wow. it's really a, it's a it's been a huge part in my in my life. There are a couple things in the book I'm not sure I agree with. I, I'll probably ask you about them because I I think I need you to explain them further to me. But well, uh, been, you know when a book when a, when a book has been published, uh, however many years ago it was, there's things in that book I don't agree with. <laughs> 
Well, I, it's funny because I remember talking to you in probably 2011. I'm like, dude, I smoked my first cigar be, because of you. And you said, yeah, I don't really smoke cigars anymore. <laughs> You're like, I, I just, I just kind of got over them. <laughs> so anyway. Well, well, you, let's, know, let's, you know, though, the funny thing is I, 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 I do periodically. I'm used to smoke them almost every day. You know, when we when we you first came over to my place, we met in my cigar room. Yeah, totally. You know, when, I saw the wife, Indian. The wood Indian. When my wife, when my, and I gave that to a chaplain in the Marines who has a place that he goes every day to smoke cigars and invites other Marines to join him. That's and, awesome. Uh, but, but we met in that room because my wife wanted a new home. And I said, well, then I want a cigar room. And that was my man cave, right? Oh, baby. I put, I put the double squirrel cage uh, fan in the ceilings to pump out on the air. Had a guy come in one time with a hairpiece and it sucked it right up to the, to the ceiling of the room. No, come uh, on. Really? No, that's a lie. I know. But, uh, I knew it was a lie. <laughs> that's how you lost your hair. But, oh, uh, is it me? Yeah. <laughs> no, my, it just oh, popped man, out of my back. Awesome. Hey, my hair awesome. just popped out of my back. That's all. It just went down to my back, not off my head. So. <laughs> the, big, the, the big screen TV, the guns on the wall, the, the vent in the ceiling, man. I'm telling you, guys love to come over and, and smoke a stogie. Oh, and yeah. one day I woke up and I, and I, had no, and I didn't like them anymore. Yeah. And my wife had been praying for 10 years I'd quit. Oh, uh, <laughs> But, but I will say this. I do smoke cigars periodically when a friend like you says, hey, let's have a stogie. Absolutely. Let's have a stogie. I asked my middle son once why cigars are so good, and he held it up, and he said, because you got this long to relax. You know what? I don't like cigars, but I'll tell you what. That's what I like. I, have, I probably smoke two to four cigars a year. And they're usually with friends hanging out. It just yeah. slows yeah. everything down. I'd never understood when guys go, "Oh, this is a good one." I'm like, "Really? I've never had a good cigar in my life." But anyway, I, I do well, enjoy. I could, when I was into them, I couldn't understand why guys didn't like them. <laughs> That's so funny. Seriously, you know, oh. it's like my mouth tastes bad afterwards. My clothes all stink. This was my life for 10 years. Yeah, and your wife won't touch you because you smell like a cigar. So that's so funny. Hey, I'm going to jump into this book, man, because we have six rules I want to ask you about. And uh, I'm going to just jump into rule number one, okay? And yeah. uh, the, the title of this is The Rule of Passivity, and the subtitle is Never Get in a Fight. And I could see how that would stir up some of your book readers. Can you explain that? And I agree with that. I love it. But can you explain this uh, rule of passivity and never get in a fight? Well, I think that the feminization of the church has created a culture which is very uh, non-confrontational. Mm. So if you're if you're a really mature, godly man, then you go with the flow. Um, you don't resist. You don't fight back. You don't argue. And uh, and consequently, um, what what I think we have is we um, we we create very legalistic systems within the context of the church to promote righteousness, all all originally developed for good reason and good purpose. But um, there there comes a time and a place where if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to do what he did. But if we're going to fight, how's about we fight the fights he fought and not the stupid ones? And what did he fight? He fought against anything that replaces the power of God's spirit to produce righteousness. And that's what the Pharisees were specialist at. They had taken the uh, valid moral commandments of the law of God as the Lord inspired them to be written through Moses. And they added literally hundreds of add-on rules mm -hmm. that if you did not obey them, you were not righteous. And I personally have been the victim of legalistic Christians throughout much of my ministry. 
Let me give you one example. When we were in a seminary, uh, we launched a Young Life Club in a suburb of Dallas. My wife and I were young at the time. We rented an apartment across from a high school. Uh, we went over every day for lunch. I became the chaplain for the football team. She had been a college cheerleader, and so she worked with the kids. And uh, from that, we started a church in our apartment so that by the second year, we were averaging 90 kids a week. Wow. Uh, we had a church with a Sunday school class, kids coming to the Lord. And I approached the board of the church, which started in our apartment, and asked if they would financially support our ministry. They prayed about it, and a week later, they got together with us, and they said, we cannot in a clear conscience support your ministry. And I said, why not? And they said, we question your commitment to Christ. Oh, gosh. And I said, why? And they said, you don't attend the Sunday night service. Oh. <laughs> and, I said, well, let me, and I said, let me get this straight. I want to be sure I got this straight. I'm going to lunch at that high school three days a week, meeting with kids, leading them to Christ and discipling them. I go to every football practice. I go to every football game. I'm with the team on the ground. I teach a, a, a discipleship class for guys. My wife teaches one for women. I then have a, a campaign or Bible study for students. I teach the Young Club Life, uh, the Young Life uh, meeting every single week. Um, more people are coming to this cry, coming to this church who've come to faith in Christ and being baptized through our ministry than the whole rest of the church together. But because I don't go Sunday night, you question my commitment to Christ. <laughs> wow. Now what, had, now, what had they done? They had come up with a man-made rule that said godly people go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. And if you don't, you're not worthy of our support. Yeah. Wow. Now, that was my first encounter. Came to Christ at 19. I was 24 then, 25, 24 then. My first commit, my, my first uh, encounter with legalism in the church was at that point, and it was painful. Right. And wow. From that, and, 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 and from that point until this day, I constantly encounter legalistic Christians who feel that their job is to impose their concept of spirituality in a legalistic way on other people. Yeah. And so why did I, why did I write? I, the whole book is my diatribe and statement against legalism and the freedom of Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ to produce righteousness as opposed to legalism. Man, that's good. We need to choose the right hill to die on, man. It's not the hill of a, you know seeing a young guy in church with his hat on and you going up there and telling him to take that dang hat off. That's not a hill to die on. That's legalism. That wounds people. And so, man, that's, that's so good, Bill. Thank you so much for that. So, hey, rule number two in your book is uh, – Playing it safe. In other words, never take risks. Can you uh, embellish upon that? Well, sometimes it, it, the, the tension that we really have here, Jim, is the statement that I just made could really cause somebody who's immature to um, create division in the church. We don't want to do that, right? But there comes a time when we really do need to be willing to risk yes. um, safety in order to pursue uh, grace. And that means there is a time when we must lovingly stand up to a legalist, even if it means we're risking the possibility of a relationship. Now, I 
I speak in churches all over the place. I speak in a lot of legalistic churches. I don't go into those churches. I, I go them to serve them, to minister to them, and I comply with their rules when I'm there. But if, on the other hand, it's a church that I attend, and I think that there are legalistic rules that are being imposed on the body, I'm willing to risk the relationship in order to lovingly and graciously speak the truth. And I think as men, we have got to be risk takers sometimes for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Yes. And if we're not, what's going to happen is the current of legalism is so strong that it will simply pull the church away from Christ and towards rules. And I find that men especially rebel against rules. And I talk about the, the spiritual game wardens. The church... The, the men come into the church, they sniff out the rules, and they decide, I'm not coming back, because they do not want to be governed by a set of somebody else's man-made religious rules. And the issues that many men have is not with Jesus Christ, it's not even with the church, it's with the rules that are not from Christ, that are attempted to be imposed upon them, and sometimes we got to take a risk and just stand up for truth. Well, and I think also, Bill, a lot of times those rules are imposed uh, by a weaker or a lesser man who's in charge of that particular church, and the magnum Christian guys come in, sniff it out, and say, I need to find a place with a man who's going to empower me to be even a greater man, not a lesser man. Preach it. You know what I'm saying? I, I love that. Absolutely. Men rebel against the rules, and I... I can't, you know, and what about personally? What about personally? We tend to get more comfortable as we get older, but I don't see that happening in the Gospels. Uh, you know, Peter, you've got to walk on water. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. But the church, yeah. the church says, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. If you get out of the boat, please don't rock it. <laughs> well, I, I think that, you know, I, I really do think that the, the tension that we have is, we want to be gracious. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be divisive. We don't. If if I was in a church and they were they were starting to impose rules or something, and I met with the leaders and we just couldn't come to an agreement, I'm I'm not going to be divisive. Yeah. You know, I'll just quietly slip away and find some place where I have greater agreement. I, I don't expect that I'm going to ever find a church that I agree with every single thing they believe and do. I don't have to. Yeah. You know, but I want to be in a place that's safe. And legalism creates danger and fear. If you don't live up to the rules, you're out. It's a closed versus an open system. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the uh, Pharisees. You live by these rules or you are out versus Jesus Christ. It's fascinating. You think about the man with the withered hand on a Sabbath that came into the synagogue, and the religious leaders are waiting to see what's he going to do. And he heals the guy. And he says to them, is it right to do good or evil on the Sabbath? And they said, well, good. So he says, stretch out your hand. And the man's hand is completely 100% healed, right? Yeah, yep. And, uh, and, and so these guys get angry at Jesus for healing a man on a Sabbath. And he goes, you hypocrites. He said, if your oxen falls into a ditch, you're going to pull him out on a Sabbath. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Then why can I not... Why can why can God not completely heal this man on a Sabbath? So, yes, it is right to do good on Sabbath, even if it violates your man-made rule, not a rule of morality, but a man-made rule intended to, to cre create this superficial righteousness. 
Wow. Well, you know, it's it's. Um, I, I when you were talking, Bill, I was thinking about you know the church wants us to be peacekeepers. But God wants us to be peacemakers. You know, I was in Belize speaking at a YWAM base down there, and my wife liked to tour the town and do stuff. We were in a golf cart one night because you can only, you pretty much only have golf carts there that you can rent. And I went down the wrong street. I was on the wrong way on a one-way street. And a policeman jumped out into the road, flashed his flashlight at me, told me to stop. He said, you can't be here. You can't be here. you got to get out of here. This is illegal. You can't be on the street. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. He goes, don't let anybody catch you. And I thought, well, you're the cops. <laughs> You know, but see, in Belize, they're peacekeepers, not peacemakers. And I think that we get into trouble in the church when we say, I got to keep my mouth shut and be a peacekeeper. And that's where we see a lot of this uh, unhealth. So that's really good, man. Hey, so question chapter three, you have your third rule is the rule of perseverance. And the subtitle is never give up. Now, I struggled on this chapter. I think I understand what you meant by uh, never give up as a rule we need to break. But can you uh, explain this uh, a little bit uh, deeper for this uh, big dumb jock? Well, you know, Jim, a, a very high uh, character quality of the believer is perseverance. Yes. Um, you know, we considered all joy, Paul says, when encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. perseverance. Yes. Uh, uh, the scriptures promise that there is a reward for those who persevere in their faith. But there comes a place in which what we need to do is we need to realize if our perseverance is coming from self-will and from the flesh in this attempt to keep rules and by keeping these rules sanctify ourselves, at that point in the ball game, we need to raise the white flag Excuse me. At that point in the battle, we need to raise the white flag and say, I give up. I cannot sanctify myself. I need the spirit of God to sanctify me. Mm -hmm. And until I stop through self-effort and religious rule keeping, until I stop pursuing righteousness in that way, I will never become righteous. I might become a good rule keeper, but that doesn't mean that my heart is being purified. And I think at that point when we give up trying through self-effort to, to purify ourselves and rely on Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, there's tremendous freedom that, that purifies and sanctifies us. But it comes from going deeper with Jesus, not from working harder to keep the rules. Oh, that's good, man. I, well, I think when you said that, I realized I need to know, I need to, to finish strong Sometimes I need to know when it's time to throw in the towel. And so, hey, that's really good, man. We're, we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back in a minute. The Man Card Podcast is sponsored by The Great Hunt for God and our mission to transform lives through teams of men. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. So start a team in your city today. Simply go to our website, www.thegreathuntforgod.com, or download The Great Hunt for God app. It's free. It's awesome. Under the gear section, you will find all the resources needed to launch a team in your area. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies heavily on the monthly gifts from our financial champions. If this podcast has helped you get out of the bleachers and into the arena, please consider becoming a financial champion today with a minimum $25 a month gift. When you do that, you'll receive the field guide, my bathroom book for men. Just click on the Give button at the Great Hunt for God app or go to the website, again, www.thegreathuntforgod.com. Click on the Give button in the menu drop down. Thank you again for championing the cause of the Great Hunt for God. Okay, Bill. So, so Bill, we have a 
chapter four is the rule of independence. In other words, we need to break this this uh, rule that says never ask for help. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I think that um, you know, I, I we as men are independent. You know, we want to do it ourselves. We want to solve the problem ourselves. We don't want to reveal to the world around us um, any independence. And yet, um, and yet, Jesus says, and I find it fascinating in John fifteen. Ten times, ten times in one chapter, he says, abide. Yes. Abide. You know, Moses gave us ten commandments on stone. Jesus gives us one commandment written in flesh, Ooh. and that is abide. Mm -hmm. And it's the whole idea of learning this concept of I must have the grace and the help of Jesus Christ to transform me and to make me the man of God the Lord wants me to be. And if I'm not willing to look to the Lord to give me that, if, again, I'm looking to rules and regulations that I've got to work so hard to keep, it's not going to work. It will not work. Well, and the other thing, too, is just two chapters before that, in John 13, Jesus says, this is how they will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And that, and so not only do we need Jesus in our lives, we need other people to lock arms with us and move us move us forward. Well, and to put this into a little bit of a different slant here, when when I do these freedom sessions with people, and for the listeners, you know, I meet with people. Usually, I'm the I'm like the main guy interacting, and then I'll have a wingman uh, in a chair beside me who's praying. And if the spirit gives him something, he'll write it on a three by on, on a post-it note and hand it to me. But um, the only people I meet with are desperate people. Uh, if they're not desperate, if they're not desperate, I'm not going to meet with them. I'm just not. Because if they're not de desperate, they're not going to forgive and they're not going to repent. And if they won't repent, yeah. they won't be free. But those people that are desperate, that are willing to come to me for help, those are the people that will find freedom. That's good. That Just acknowledging, hey, man. I need something more than me. So that's really good, Bill. So rule number five, and I personally resonate with this rule. And, and Bill, I know you do too, because you and I, I would, I would not say that you and I are men of uh, verbal restraint. We kind of just let it out there and tell people what we think. Your, your subtitle here is never lose your cool. So tell me why that was one of the six uh, rules. The primary emotion that men use to express themselves is anger. Mm. Um, wow, that's good. The, the assumption is if you are angry, you are sinning. In fact, when this book first came out, it was released, and I was speaking at a very large men's event in upstate New York. And um, in, that, uh, in that event in upstate New York, I gave this message to lots of men. And... Uh, Publisher had a big banner out there and the books on the table and all that sort of stuff. And um, after the event, uh, one of the pastors sent an email to Brian Doyle, the founder and president of Iron Sharpens Iron, which he forwarded on to me. And we've in had that, him on our show. He's been on our show. And in that, and in that, uh, and in that email, he rebuked uh, Brian for allowing someone who uh, would ask people to follow Jesus in his anger is just flat out sinful. 
Hmm. He said, we follow Jesus everywhere, but we do not follow him in his anger. All anger is sin. Ooh. And then he went on and said a lot of things, of course, that I did not say. Um, but in the Old Testament, there are, I think, something like 375 instances where the word anger is used. And in the vast majority of those, God is the one who is angry. There are three instances that I can think of where Jesus was angry in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. That story I told a moment ago about the man with the withered hand being one of those. And what's fascinating about that particular story is it said he felt compassion for them because of their hardness of their heart. But he was angry. Now, think about that for a moment. Have you ever felt compassion at the moment you were angry? I don't know that I have. I don't know that I have. If I'm angry, it usually brushes aside compassion. Mm. But what if in following Jesus, I learned how to, to, to simultaneously feel compassion and anger? And what if I learned to process and express that anger in a redemptive way rather than a destructive way? So that my anger drives me to right the wrongs that I see around me rather than to attempt to destroy the person who, who stimulated my anger. In other words, if my values are in alignment with the values of Jesus Christ, and if he was angry because of the hardness of their heart and the damage he saw that doing, and if in the face of that, he felt compassion. I feel compassion for the babies that are being slaughtered, yes. the unborn babies that are being slaughtered. I feel compassion for the mothers who go to abortion clinics and are told it's not a person. Let's kill it. That makes me really, really angry. But that anger, that compassion together with that anger propels me to want to do things, A, to provide information for those mothers, to provide support for them if they decide to carry the baby full term. In other words, it is the compassion coupled with the anger of believers throughout the entire age of the church that has brought about transformation in the culture. Absolutely. And I mean, we absolutely. But men get angry at stupid things. They go into a rage because someone cuts them off at the freeway. I'm not suggesting that if they cut you off, get in front of them and slam on your brakes to get even. Yeah. Get <laughs> what? What? We, we do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Get angry at the stuff that made Jesus angry. And that oh, chapter is, I ended up after this book, I wrote a whole book called When Good Men Get Angry. Really? Oh, it's a great book, and it was so much fun to write. And one of the things I talk about is I did a survey of 5,000 men. Why do you get angry? Number one, disrespect, and number two, injustice, right? Yep. And so and so, it, what, what I teach men is we often get angry at an illusion or a perception of disrespect when we've not been disrespected. I tell guys, you ask this one question whenever you feel angry. Am, 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 am I really being disrespected or do I just think I'm being disrespected? Mm, yes. And most of the time it is a perception of disrespect, not an actual act of disrespect. Well, what I hear you saying, Bill, is a lot of times our anger is selfish. And Jesus' anger was 
over damage or bondage or the death of the unborn, things like this. His his anger was selfless. Yes, and, so, and not only yes, and 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 his anger was redemptive and redemptive. It was not, it was not. It was not a destructive anger. Yes, he was angry at them for their hardness of their heart. But out of that anger, he went ahead and healed the guy because he felt compassion both for the Pharisees and their unjustified legalism mm -hmm. uh, and the hardness of their heart. But at the same time, his compassion drove him to extend mercy. And I think that that's, that that's the coupling that we need to look for. Man, and, that's so good. And, and when we feel compassion, compassion flushes away most anger. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Compassion flushes away most anger. Because wow. if I if if the person that triggered my anger, if I take time to understand why they did what they did, and I develop compassion and understanding for them, it oftentimes flushes away my anger. Oh, that's why you did it. That's why you said it. Now I understand. Wow, that is so good. That thank you so much. That is so good. We're gonna move into our last one here, man. Six rules. Uh, uh, the last one is, and and I I'll have to tell you this off air, Bill, but I had a real um, epiphany about a month ago, and this was a kind of a major part of the root of it all. And so uh, rule six to break is the rule of impressing others. The subtitle is never look stupid. Now I'll tell you what, this is a tough one for guys, Bill, because we are told not only in the church, but out of the church, that we're just, it's a man rule, man. Don't look stupid. So help, help unpack this for our guys. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an example. It's not in the book, but it, it applies to the book. When I made the decision after reading the, the story of Jesus for, I don't know, a year or so, that I was going to just start doing what he did, there were instances where I really feared looking stupid. I mean, really feared looking stupid. I mean, let's suppose, for instance, that I got a friend that had back surgery and it's not quite getting well and there's a lot of pain. And I say, hey, man, maybe Jesus will heal you. And not only do I, you, you know, Jesus, Jesus uh, never prayed for anyone to be healed. He declared them healed. Hmm. Well, okay, I'm just going to declare that Jim Ramos's back is healed. And I put my hand on his back in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over this illness and I declare healing in the name of Jesus. I declare the pain is going to leave and the back's going to be healed. Now, man, when I first started praying that I felt so stupid. Yeah. I mean, Bill, why don't you kind of give a little bit of wiggle room here? God, if it's your... <laughs> yeah, you know, but if you don't, God, if you don't, I just pray that Jim be blessed. You know what I mean? That whole hedging prayer, right? God, if it is your will for Jim's back to get better, get better. I prayed that for 30 years. I never saw anybody healed. Yeah. I didn't expect them to be healed. I didn't. But sometimes what I've discovered is that if I go out on a limb and run the risk of looking stupid, the amazing thing is how often Jesus comes through. Well, you know what's interesting, Bill? Uh, you know, this part of this epiphany I had was uh, that, that has been forcing me out of my comfort zone and um, and in radical obedience, because what I'm learning, and you've, you've helped teach me this as well, is that we live in a, a world that is so broken, there's so much brokenness. I was in Starbucks about two weeks ago, and this couple walked in, and the woman was wearing a scarf. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird, not a place for Oregon. And uh, and I just I just couldn't keep my eyes off this couple. Uh, I just knew I needed to go over there and pray with them. I'd never seen them in my life. So I thought, I'm not doing it, God. Nope, you need to go do it. I'm not doing it. You need to go do it. I'm not doing Okay, okay. So I went over there. I said, hey, you know what? This sounds really weird, but I feel like I need to pray for you. Is there something I can pray for you for? She looked at me, mm -hmm. looked at her husband, and said, I have this rare, rare 
crani disease. What is the disease called, uh, Pat? In the fifth, fifth, fifth cranial nerve in her back, her neck. What is that? Oh, what? trigeminal neuralgia. Trigeminal. It's nice that when you have a doctor in your podcast here. Trigeminal neuralgia. She goes, I have this disease. She showed me a scar on her chest. Uh, she said, we've just moved to town from Seattle. We don't know anybody. Will you please pray for me? And I, I got to have the most phenomenal experience with this couple because I, was, I just said, hey, I acknowledged that we live in a broken world. And I was, um, I, just, I guess I just listened to what God was saying. But the, my number one fear in going over there uh, uh, was the fear of looking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. How stupid is that? It's ridiculous. How did it go? Well, I don't I I you know what I didn't do and I didn't declare it. I just prayed a non-hedging prayer for her. I should have declared it. I, I guess I didn't know that. So you're going to have to teach me a little bit of this stuff, but uh it went great. I mean, it went great. I don't know if God healed or not. I've never seen him again. Well, when people have something like that, I'm kind of saying, Lord, I'd rather have somebody that's got a headache or stiff back. Or... <laughs> yeah, give me something I, I easy. A, something easy. I, I, had a, I had a guy approach me at church three weeks ago, and um, I, he, he had actually done a freedom session with me uh, last year. And he's got this, um, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a very serious issue with his lower colon where he gets these abscesses and he's had to have them surgically uh, lanced twice. And he came up to me three weeks ago and, and uh, he, he had another one of these um, one of another, one of these cysts uh, boil things down there. And there's a name for it. I don't remember what it is, but he was, he was really bound up in fear and discouragement because, you know, I mean, the only if this thing doesn't get taken care of, the only hope that he has is surgery. And the consequence of that could be, you know, carrying around one of these poop bags. And that ain't something that anybody wants. And, um, it's like, you know, I, I, I prayed for, I, I prayed against the fear and, um, and I prayed, I, I just declared healing over this guy. And at the time, I remember the back of my mind thinking, man, I wish he just had a headache. Um, <laughs> so um, I got an email from him two days ago, and he goes, Bill, he said, um, this thing got really worse for a few days. Then it popped open, and it completely healed, and I have no pain. And wow. it's like it's like if, if we're not willing to go out on a limb and actually expect Jesus Christ to heal people, why are we praying? Yeah, and, right. and yet, and yet, it's it's. Someone said to me, they said, "Well, I don't know anybody. And everyone they pray for gets healed." And my response was, "Well, not yet." Uh, well, and uh, and I think a lot of us out there are pra are Christian agnostics. Mm. You know, we we say we believe in God, but we've put him in such a small box. He, he... well, and part of the hot problem we have with the supernatural are our our, our um, role models are ones that we see on TV. Oh, and yeah. what we see on TV is so theatrical and contrived and phony or go on YouTube. I mean, there's plenty of this sort of stuff out there. And, you know, we don't want to look stupid. I don't want to be identified with one of these people, one of these crazies or one of these charlatans or or what if I pray and nothing happens? And, you know, my response to that point is, well, what if we pray and something does happen? What then? Well, yeah, and the bottom line is, the bottom line is, it's not your job to heal. God heals. And so we just trust him. Absolutely. You know, and so. Yeah, our and if, job's just 
just do what Jesus did. I'll tell you what, I, I wish I, we got to wrap up here. We're running at the end of our hour, but I wish I could have walked on the water, but, but you know what? what I wish I, you know, those, one of those 11, those 12 disciples, they're looking at Peter going, dang, it actually worked. <laughs> it only works if you get out of the boat, you know what I mean? And, and, and I bet Peter looked a little stupid sinking down there and Jesus raising him up out of the depths of the ocean. But, you know, we got to step out on faith and take oh, a risk. You know, and, I, and I love that, I, Bill. The more I read that story over and over, the more I just get this, this craving, this craving for more of Jesus and just this craving to experience more of his life and transformational power in my prayer and in my touch. And it's, it's just, a. I, I think we read for me, I've written three books on Jesus based on the ministry of Jesus. I've done commentary for three Bibles on the gospels. Um, you know, but the only time I'd really read the gospels was when I'd read the rest of the Bible. Yeah. And yep. It just occurred to me one day that if you don't have the gospels, you don't need the prophets because Jesus isn't coming. You don't have the epistles because he didn't come. You don't have revelation because he's not coming back. And it occurred to me, if you really, really want to know Jesus, Bill, that's great you're reading these books about him, but why don't you go back to the original source? Every single thing we know about Jesus Christ comes from the four gospels, and it's the four gospels that gives us insight into the prophecies and into the epistles. And so for us as followers of Jesus who call who are Christians, and yet we don't actually read the story, come on, man, we're missing out. Yep, read absolutely. the story. And that's what Six Rules is about. It's about the freedom and the power that comes through Jesus. And the only place to get it now is from me. you got to go to BillPerkins.com, send me an email, and I'll get back to you. And the other thing is I would love to do a men's retreat or a men's conference, a Six Rules event or conference. In fact, I'm willing to donate to any church that contacts me 30 copies of hardback version of Six Rules Every Man Must Break if they'll book an event with me. Whoa, at Bill, that's awesome. Just go to Bill at BillPerkins.com, and that book retails for $17. And I'll give 30 copies to any church that'll contact me, and let's let's get a retreat or an event going. That's all, So it's Bill at Perkins.com? Bill at BillPerkins.com. Bill at BillPerkins.com. Well, Bill... Uh, it is so uh, great to have you on this podcast. You never, you never say quite enough. I mean, I wish you would talk a little more, but uh, man, I just am so glad you're. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. So, so glad you're on this podcast. You're a dear friend, and a you've been a, a great mentor. And I'm just so excited about uh, what's God, God's doing in your new uh, Freedom Ministry. And uh, man, thanks so much for coming on. Will you come on our show again? Yeah, man. Just let me know when. Yeah, I want to talk about six battles every man must fight or every man must win. Every what yes, is, win, win. I, I just call it huh? Six battles every man must win, based on the story of David's mighty men. Man, I'm excited about that. I'm going to have you back on and talk about that here in the in the near future. But guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast, helping us transform the lives of men and those they love is as simple as one, two, three. Subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your social media friends. Write a positive review. Give us your input about topics you'd like to hear about uh, or men you'd like to hear from. We want you to become the best version of you. Just go and contact us through our app, The Great Hunt for God. We'd love to stay in relationship with you. Next week, we got a great guest on, a new friend of mine, Dave Anderson, is going to be on the show. You're going to want to hear this guy. He's got some great stuff to say. Anyway, until next time, guys, walk in freedom. Get in the arena. Get dirty. Grind it out. And... 
Be, be a, a man. man. <laughs> this is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of a man, then purchase your own copy of the Field Guide, our bathroom book for men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your copy for you and your friends on our website at thegreathuntforgod.com. You will also find our five-book man card series. Grab several copies, recruit some friends, and champion the cause for men today. We are a donor-supported, non-profit organization with the mission to transform the lives of men and those they love. If today's podcast has inspired you, consider being a financial champion by going to The Great Hunt for God and click the Give link in the menu drop-down. Also, download The Great Hunt for God app today. It is available in all the app stores for all devices. It has videos, podcasts, our store, and many other links to the world of The Great Hunt for God. Thank you for listening, and good hunting. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.